As we go to prayer today, I want us to pray about two things. Number one, I want us to pray for a special request that came in to me just the other day. Cancer of the blood, leukemia. We want to pray for God's healing. And secondly, we want to pray for all of our brothers and sisters who were devastated in this flood, that God will restore twofold everything. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you. Lord, first we bring to you this one brother who's got leukemia. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would just bring healing. Lord, your word says that the life is in the blood. And Father, he has death in his blood. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you quicken his body by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would bring life back into his body, life into his bone marrow, life into his blood. Father, in the name of Jesus, let healing flow. Let the healing power of God just reach in and touch his body and let strength flow back into him. Father, we look forward to the good report of all of your blessings and all of your miracles in his body. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we turn to you for so many of our brothers and sisters right now, not just members of our church, Lord, but your, your children across the nation. Father, for those of us in Manila, it was a rough day. But for those in Laguna, for those in Bulacan, for those in Tegigarao, Father, it was, Isabella was rough. Father, that floodwaters are still going down. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, honor your word. Bring a twofold restoration for every appliance that was destroyed, for every favorite pair of shoes that was destroyed. Father, for everything that was destroyed by this flood, bring a twofold restoration to every family. And let that restoration come like the streams in the Negev, Father. Let it be just a suddenly. Let it be just a pouring out of abundance, Father, that even surprises those that are praying for it. Father, glorify yourself, I pray. Let your promises be seen. Let your promises be seen by the relatives and by the friends. Let your glory be seen in this twofold restoration. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name for all of your people. Father, they have walked before you in faithfulness. Now your word says that you show yourself faithful to those that are faithful. Let them see your faithfulness in the land of the living. Let them see the faithfulness of their God. Oh, Lord, for a whole new generation of young people. Maybe they've never seen your provision miracles. They've seen healings, but they've never seen miracles of provision. Let them see miracles of provision in this time, Father, beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. Let it be like the streams in the Negev, Father, where deserts just begin to flourish, where poverty just begins to be wiped out with abundance, where floodwaters are just overwhelmed by a flood of the blessings of God. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, glorify yourself, Lord. Oh, let people see how real you are. Lord, for your name's sake, for the sake of your great name, let your hand of provision come upon your people. Let your hand of faithfulness come upon your people. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we turn our attention now, and I'm doing things a little differently today because Sister Bev's got Ezekiel. As we turn our attention now to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now remember, Peter is the apostle to the Jews, just as Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. So Peter's primary focus is writing to Jewish believers. So he begins here in chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle, not the apostle, not, not the only one, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Two, now here you just need to focus on two. Who's he writing to? To those who are the elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So he's writing to Jewish, this is the dispersion, Jewish believers in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. This is that whole large northern area. So do you remember that route that Paul took when he was moving from Galatia and then he tried to get into Asia and God said, the Holy Spirit said no. And then he tried to get into Bithynia and God said, the Holy Spirit said no. And then he got to Troas and God said, all right, now I want you to go to Macedonia. This is that whole area up there. Okay, you're dealing with Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So these are the Jewish believers. Now, now think with me. He's writing to the fruit of Paul's earliest ministry in every city because Paul went first to the Jews. Paul went first to the synagogues in all of these areas. So Peter is writing to, to much of the fruit of Paul's early ministry as he went through this northern area. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, there's that foreknowledge again, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. I like that. Now, we are the people, the, the, we are the people who, according to the foreknowledge of God and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, all of that is done for obedience to Jesus Christ. Not, not to live in sin anymore, obedience. And for sprinkling with his blood. There's that washing, there's that cleansing. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, there's a great prayer to pray for somebody. May peace be multiplied to you. May grace be multiplied to you. Now, notice the word multiplied, not just added to you, multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. <laughs> he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Wow. Now, just break that down. Wow. We're born again according to his great mercy. He caused us to be born again. We've been born again, number one, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Peter is a preacher of the resurrection. He's not a Sadducee. Secondly, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, unfading, kept in heaven for you. All right. So this is what we've been born again to. We've been born again to a living hope. We've been born again to an inheritance who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, I love that. God is guarding you. God is guarding you. I always forget to turn that on in the first part. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith. 
who by God's power, God's ability, are being guarded through faith. Why is God guarding us? For a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. <laughs> Though now for a little while, as was necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Okay, for a little while. Okay, now. Okay, so, you know, Peter says, you know, sometimes life is a little difficult right now, but you know what? We, we've been born again to a living hope. But once in a while, right now, <laughs> we are grieved by various trials, like floods, like COVID-19, okay? So that the, the tested genuineness of your faith, wow, the tested genuineness of your faith, now there's a mouthful. The tested genuineness of your faith, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The tested genuineness of your faith may be, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But now notice, the tested genuineness of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire. So you've you got to tie all of this to this tested genuineness of your faith. There's a little pause that he puts in there. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. But Peter says, I saw him. He said, you have not seen him. He said, I saw him. You have not now seen him. But even though we haven't seen him, we love him. Ah, oh, we love him. Peter walked with him. Peter held his arm. Peter sat down and had dinner with him. Peter, Peter saw him. One day we will too. One day we're going to see Jesus. We're going to rise in the rapture. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to be, our salvation will be finished. We'll become like him as we see him. And then for the rest of eternity, we'll see him. But right now, I don't see him, but I love him. Right now, I don't see him, but I believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Ah. We rejoice, we love him, we believe in him, we rejoice, we obtain the outcome of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. Now he said, now concerning the salvation, now there's a big thought. He said, now concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Now, <laughs> the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. Isaiah prophesied about the grace that was to be ours. Malachi prophesied about the grace that was to be ours. David prophesied in the Psalms about the grace that was to be ours. This beautiful saving grace. And they searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them 
Now, there's a great thought. The Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Now, there's an incredible truth about the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And he's called the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. That's one of the titles. Oh, let's get the pen to work. Well, we'll try to get there. We go. Here's a title of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ in them, so they had the Holy Spirit within them. Wow. Was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ. So the Holy Spirit within them was predicting things, but they didn't see it all clearly. It was revealed to them that they were not ser they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. You know, Peter, man, these are incredible things he's saying. To us, it has been announced by those who preach the good news, anointed by the Holy Spirit. They did this ministry. They did this announcing by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who sent from heaven things into which the angels long to look. Folks, we experience things that the angels just want to look at. I can get into that for an hour, but I'm going to leave that alone. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace. Now, all right, now here's this grace again. We talked about this earlier, the grace that was to be yours. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's going to be more grace brought to you. When Jesus Christ comes back, more grace will be brought to you. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't even begun to experience the greatness of his grace. More grace is going to be brought to you. So he said, all right, because of that, prepare your minds for actions. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. All right. All right. We come back here to obedience and obedience. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, the, the emotions that drove us in our ignorance, in our ignorance of God. It's, hey, come on. Let's start living right now. We're not drunkards. We're not, we're not run by our sexual hormones. We're not run by our alcohol desires. We're not run by these addictions. He said, ah, but as but as he who called you is holy, you also should be holy in all your conduct. Christians are supposed to live a holy life. You know, these people that run around with what I call band-aid theology, just patching things up and, you know, okay, 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 it's okay. Just as long as you bring your money to church, you know, just and you let me use your influence to reach people around you to build my crowd, you know, you can still... You can still have your homosexuality. You can still have your sexual immorality. You can still have your adultery. You can still have your, your masturbation. You can still have your pornography. You can still have your alcoholism. You can still have your clubs. You know, you can do whatever you want. Just, just come to church and bring your money. That is not what they preached in Jesus' day. That is not what Paul preached. That is not what Peter preached. 
you also be holy in all your conduct. Now, I know I just gave you a really graphic list of some really ugly things. But, you know, young people are the funniest people. They, 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 young people just, they don't have an agenda. I know, I know some do, but young people are just pretty up and open. And they, they bring me these things where preachers are telling them that all these things, and I just gave you a list of them, they're okay, God understands. No, God says, he who called you is holy. God is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for or because I am holy now. That's one of those big things that you need to deal with. God said, you shall be holy, for I am holy. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Then Sister Bev in Ezekiel.
back to Ezekiel, and we're going to pick up our reading in Ezekiel chapter 30 today. You know, when you're reading the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is this drama, drama prophet who lays on his side or lays on the other side or digs through a wall or packs his things and carries them in bags. He does all these super, super dramatic things. He speaks in stories and parables and riddles. He's the drama, drama, drama prophet. He cut off his hair with a sword and split it into three and would scatter it to the wind. Wow, he was like something to watch in those days. And people would say he's crazy. He's a storyteller. But as drama, drama as he is, which kind of makes it a little fun to see what are all the dramas he enacts. The thing that you have to get about the book of Ezekiel is that the, and no, not just Ezekiel, but the whole Bible, you have to realize that people are people are people are people. So exactly the same things that caused the people there in that time in Ezekiel's writing, the same things that drew them into sin, that caused the sin to multiply and snowball in their lives. It's exactly the same things that cause sin in our lives. It just dresses up a little different because it's a different century. It's a different millennia and it's, it's a different culture. But at the root, the things that the people there, the reasons that they chased after sin, it's exactly the same as today putting things ahead of God, they call it idolatry, uh, the lust of the eyes, desiring after things, going after money, sexual immorality. And what's important for us is to see how it makes an entrance in their hearts and to see the result of sin in their lives and to see how God feels about those things. Seeing how God feels about sin is part of renewing our minds. And we're supposed to renew our minds, right? So we renew our minds. We say, oh, that's how God feels about that. It's really an abomination. And then we're more careful to guard against that in our own life. So we need to see ourselves in these people. And maybe in what for them was painting on, on a wall somewhere, maybe for us, it's a computer image, but it's still the same lust of the eyes. It's still the same lusting after sexual immorality. It's still the same things. So I think if we can approach Ezekiel or any of our Bible reading that way to understand the culture, understand the times, and then realize the issues are the issues are the issues. And God is speaking to us through these things. Well, today, we're going to start picking up with chapter 30, verse 20. And we are talking about, this is Ezekiel's tour of nations. And he's talking about the nation of Egypt. And of course, the new superpower of the day, Babylon. When we were dealing with Isaiah, the superpower of that day was Assyria. Nations come, nations go, superpowers come, superpowers go. It all depends on their heart for God and if they're willing to do what God 
wants them to do in their life, right? So we have to remember that's a good lesson for us to learn. Verse 20, in the 11th year, in the first month, on the seventh day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So we're figuratively speaking here. And behold, it has not been bound up to heal it by binding it with a bandage so that it became strong to wield the sword. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and I will break his arms, both the strong arm and the one that was broken, and I will make the sword fall from his hand. So figuratively speaking, nations are brought low. Nations are exalted. Nations are brought low. God did this. He did. He does. And he will do. Okay, we get it. It's epic sagas. I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them through the countries. And I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon and put my sword in his hand, my sword in his hand. So he would be executing judgment on behalf of the Lord. But I will break the arms of Pharaoh, and he will groan before him like a man mortally wounded. I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, but the arms of Pharaoh shall fall. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. See, over and over again, we see that phrase, then they shall know that I am the Lord. And I've told you, let's not wait until sin results in judgment in our lives. Let's not wait until the 